0: You are on the Game Trail Podcast.
1: I mean, we could start at any minute, really. It's just a matter of a fire starting.
0: I know. So. We hear you. We um, I wasn't in our wildland program too long, but Brian was pretty heavily involved in it. He uh, yeah, did a couple deployments for the city. Or, oh, nice.
2: Yeah, I was. I did it for about 12 years. Kind of backed out of it, thinking of getting back into it, but I was working on my yeah. engine boss, you know. Gotcha and uh, yeah i've
1: been in it i've been in it for 17 years and mike has been in it for
2: 18 oh wow all with blm yeah
1: yep both of us blm wow awesome out of the same office and yeah cool works out good
2: perfect well before we start talking too much (laughs) (laughs) that way we could get some stuff covered up in this podcast you know
1: oh for sure
0: um so, for, so we're the guys the that are deck. listening we're talking with Garrett um, he's with hidden instinct you can find him on instagram under hidden instinct and the youtube channels hidden instinct uh Garrett is there any other social media that you're on
1: uh we've got a Facebook page but we're not real we don't do as much with it so yeah mainly just mainly just Instagram and uh, YouTube YouTube is where we do most of our content so
0: yeah and for those that don't know they mostly are into the predator hunting uh coyotes and they and it goes anywhere from you know you guys hunt all the way down to the low deserts to that transitional area from what, what yeah. it seems like from your videos.
1: Yeah, we we hunt wherever wherever we can go. To be honest, yeah, so <laughs> we, we, do, we live in the low desert and we hunt a lot in the low desert. So,
0: gotcha. Nice. Um, I think I first came across you guys when we were me and Brian. We didn't draw when you're here in New Mexico. And I told Brian, we gotta do something. So we started getting into shed hunting and this sounds kinda of strange how it all it came like a full circle. We started looking up shed hunting videos and we started seeing Tines Up Tuesdays. Uh-huh. So we're watching that and then we came across the fireball um video where you're in it with yep. Eric Jesser yep. and that's when I saw you. And then, you know, during the off season all of a sudden Hidden Instinct popped up and now we're watching coyote hunting videos like this is like what, yeah. four years ago?
2: Yeah, pretty much. How yeah, long have you guys our, been, uh, sorry to interrupt you, how long have you guys actually been doing your Hidden Instinct? How long has
1: that been so going? We actually started Hidden Instinct. Uh, we're just starting into our fourth year now. Um, Mark, so just in March was the beginning of our fourth year. So three full years going on to our fourth.
2: That's awesome. Yeah, like Eric was saying, you know, we found you guys on on, on that and just basically kind of started following you and watching some of your videos, your content, all your all your stuff, you know, and then especially when you guys are out there, coyote hunting and you guys are picking up sheds. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. That's always a bonus when you can do, when you be coyote hunting and picking up sheds. Right. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, Did you put in for this year for hunting wise?
1: I've actually, I did put in, um, I actually was finally able to put in for elk here in Utah again. It's a five year waiting period. Okay. And so it was, I, I, on that, like you mentioned, that fire bull video, I had a tag as well on that
0: hunt. Yeah, no, I, was, we saw that bull, and that's, that's a nice bull itself, too. got kind of yeah, overshadowed a little bit, but. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's fine. i <laughs> it. It was just a good hunt altogether. So. Oh, yeah, that, that's
0: uh, a, that was a wicked hunt to so watch.
1: I, I put in for elk this year here again in Utah. Um, I've got a dedicated hunter tag in Utah, which is my third year of that. So this, this will be my last year with dedicated hunters, so I'm guaranteed to be able to hunt all, uh, all the hunts, archery, elf rifle hunts, and the muzzleloader hunt here in Utah this year.
0: Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. How does that work when you, when you, so when you draw, do you not, are you not able to put in for a certain amount of time?
1: So in in Utah, yeah, it's that way. So if you draw for elk, it's a five-year waiting period before you can put in again. Um, If you draw for deer, and this, when I say draw, this is limited entry, obviously. Okay. and you, if you draw limited entry gear, it's a three year waiting period. And I'm not sure on antelope what antelope. that is. I think I might be just two on that.
0: Gotcha. And do you put in for anything you can draw, or do you like, and we're getting kind of away from the coyote hunting, but do you put in mostly for a uh, bow or muzzle? Uh, or- you know,
1: archery hunting has always been kind of my biggest passion, <laughs> to be honest. But being a wildland firefighter, we're so busy during at least our local archery hunt, you know, August and September, we're still busy. Yeah. You're still rocking it. If we're not busy. If we're not busy here, um, we're up in
0: some other Oregon, state.
1: Idaho, you know, wherever, wherever <laughs> we end up. So I actually don't get an archery hunt near as much as I want to, but yeah. uh, like I do, I do for our general deer hunt here in Utah. I do what's called our dedicated hunter program. Um, are you guys familiar with that at all no no, no we idea.
3: know
0: about the point system but not the dedicated hunter program
1: so the dedicated hunter program is here in utah it's a three-year program um once you draw you're you've got your you're guaranteed you can hunt for three years but you can only kill uh two animals two deer in that three-year period huh. but instead of choosing your weapon like everybody else has to do, rifle, muzzleloader, archery, you get a hunt, archery, muzzleloader, and bolt rifle hunt. So it's kind of for people that are more trophy hunting, I guess you could say. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of so cool. so the way you've got to, you've got to put in. I can't remember exactly what it is. They've changed it a few times. Thirty-two to forty hours uh, working on wildlife projects, whether it be uh, fixing guzzlers, building fence along the highways, uh, cutting in winter range, whatever it may be, you've got to do that stuff as well. But it guarantees you a tag for three years, or at least two years for sure, but you can hunt for three. But like I said, you can only only harvest two two deer in that three-year period.
2: Yeah. Oh, that's pretty
0: awesome. That's kind of cool. We don't have a – we've always kind of talked about New Mexico with other guys and just here amongst our own state because we don't have a point system. We don't have anything like that. It's just a a random draw, and it's just that. You could draw – there's some dudes that that draw every single year, or some guys that can't draw for ten years. It, it's yeah, that's I don't know. It's good and bad. It, it has its ups I, and downs.
1: I, I it, it is it is good and bad. I think it's good though, because you look at like what we've got here in Utah with Point Creep, and I mean a great example is my mom. So she drew an elk tag. she had been putting in. it. Took her 19 years to draw this unit. Oh, <laughs> and she was seventy years old, and she wasn't even guaranteed to draw this tag on the rifle hunt. But Utah finally allowed allowed us to put the powered scopes on a muzzleloader. Okay. So I put her in for the muzzleloader hunt because I knew she could draw that. But most, at least for elk and some of the the premium deer units, yeah. you're looking at tw- you're looking at twenty plus years before you're guaranteed to draw a tag.
0: Yeah. See, the more I hear about the point systems in other states, I'm like, hey, maybe maybe should just stick to all random. <laughs> yeah. You know, lottery <laughs> draw because me and Brian yeah, have been pretty the lucky. A lot of
1: people don't, I think one thing a lot of people don't realize when I say guaranteed to draw. So the way Utah does it is, let's say there's 20 tags for that unit. Ten of those tags go to the highest bonus point holders. Okay. And then. The other 10 will go to everybody else and just however many points you've got is how many times your, your name's in the hat, I guess you could say. Yeah. So even it shows you're drawn for 20 tags. You're really not. You're really only drawn for 10 unless you're in that highest bonus point pool for that unit. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's tough. Yeah. It, <laughs> yeah for <sure>. Colorado,
0: <clears throat> you guys in Nevada, sounds like it's pretty tough and, Arizona, yep. Arizona's pretty tough too. It sounds like it's like 10 points yeah, or more, Arizona, which is 10 years. Yeah, tough for sure. Yeah, jeez. And I mean, so Bryars might have a good there with,
1: with no bonus point system. Yeah, yeah, I,
2: we actually like it. Like Eric was, he was about to say, I'm sure, you know, that we've been pretty fortunate to be able to go hunting.
0: It's been about every other year. Yeah, if you, could, every, if you were to like average yeah. it out, it's every other year we draw a tag for elk. Yeah. And some pretty, maybe not like the. I'm going to call it the premier, premier units, but most of the elk units in this state, I would say almost are borderline. You're going to see elk and, you know, are you just going to make that happen? Cause with the bow, at least it's, I'm not sure if they do it in Utah or not, but here it's any one elk. So you can shoot a, you know, big old bull or you can shoot a spike or you can shoot a cow. If you want, it's up to you. They give gotcha. You that option. Yeah. Nice. And so, that's
2: what we like. We, we always do bow with our, uh, for elk, for sure. You know, uh, Deer, we also do bow. Um, We might throw in one of our choices as a rifle hunt or a muzzleloader hunt, you know, yeah. but the elk, hunting elk with a bow is by far like the top because you're, you're in the rut, you're get up close and personal with them. And it's, yeah. just, it's just funner than heck. Yeah, you, you know. <laughs> that, that's just tough to beat. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's, no, there's
1: nothing much funner than that being in the elk. Right. With a bow in hand during the rut, man. That's as exciting as it gets, really.
2: So. Yeah, I was going to try Oh, hold Try on. Try and tie
0: this together. So, like, we all love hunting. I mean, we can agree that we love hunting elk in the rut because you can – they're very vocal. You can call, so to speaking you know, for the most part, and cow call, and there's all sorts of combos. When it comes to coyote hunting, do you find – I don't know to call the same adrenaline rush, but you're you're using a calling sequence when you guys go out there uh, for coyote hunting. I mean, it goes to not the, like a rut, but they I'm making noise back at you, but – you're going in your con form. Is, do you get the same kind of oh, connection, yeah. I
1: guess? I, I still get it. I'm, I'm 40 years old, and I called and killed my first coyote when I was 10. Oh, so nice. I've been doing this for 30 years, <laughs> and I still, every single time I see a coyote, or Michael lets me know he sees a coyote, because we'll just do kind of a lip kiss, real quiet. you know. And when you hear that, it's like, okay, somebody sees one. Where is it? And it's just that instant adrenaline dump of where is he? you know there's there's one here i don't see it where is it is he 50 yards is he 500 yards you know yeah so yeah i get that same that same adrenaline it's just something about calling an animal whether it be elk calling predator calling whatever whatever it is just calling a wild animal in is just just it's it's amazing it's yeah it's it's tricky season
0: yeah, I think like I think like the turkey guys, I'm not much of one myself, but we have a guy that we work with that uh I don't even Brian. You know, the turkey hunter Springer calling. And I think that's part of the you know, I guess part of it is you're calling and you get to call in a you're calling in a turkey versus a milk yeah. or a predator, right. you know.
1: I have got a couple of buddies here locally that that are, that have coyote hunted a lot. And they say it's every bit as much of an adrenaline rush calling in a turkey. I, have personally, <laughs> myself, never turkey hunted. Uh, but they say it's the same adrenaline rush. You go out there, you locate them, you get set up, you call them in, and when you can hear them coming in, they say it's just it's an adrenaline rush.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I've killed a few turkey, and it's it's pretty cool when you get those suckers to come in and get into range, you know, to be able to take that shot, you know. Yeah, and, I bet. I mean, you got you, – you know, you shoot him, and sometimes, man, those birds will roll, and then you think he's down, and then all of a sudden he jumps up and starts taking off, and then you're just like, "Oh no!" And then you just start running after that bird, you know, to try and catch him. Yeah. And it, it's
1: I've had coyotes do the same thing. I've made shots on coyotes. Like, well, that one's done. Yeah. <laughs> I'll we call and then I get up. My buddy Luke, I remember on you've probably seen it in a lot of our videos. You know, he's like that coyote got up and ran off. Oh I'm like, yeah. No, it didn't. <laughs>
2: yeah, did. yeah we had yeah we experience. had that experience we had that experience yeah we, we call him the the zombie coyote
0: yeah the zombie coyote we call it good
2: yep. eric shot this thing with a what was it a, a 308
0: yeah shot with a 308 because we we're all hunting. but he points out there's a coyote on my side i'm like okay and propped it up and blasted him and we went to go get him and of course like uh morons none of us brought a knife or even nothing with us so Brian grabs him by the tail and we're walking back to the truck and he had that, I don't know, like that weird feeling. Something's not right. And you turn around yeah. and this coyote is reaching back to bite him oh, and she- he lets go of the tail and like, <laughs> we have nothing on us. So you have your feet up trying to like, I don't know, you think you're going to kick this animal or something. And he stood yeah. up and then he just bolted and he's like, oh, no, he's going to die, dude. And he just
2: no, ran off, into, run the off into the sunset. <laughs> he was gone. <laughs> Oh We're like, you've got done, to be kidding me.
1: <laughs> I think the one thing a lot of people don't realize with coyotes is if they've never seen a skinned coyote or actually skinned coyote themselves is how skinny they really are. Yeah. They're, like if you, you shoot a coyote during the first season, you know, November, December, January, February, when they're really stirred up. I mean, you look at a coyote's chest, you take that straight on shot if he's facing at you you've only got about three inches to work with. Yeah. That's about all you've got. And, yeah, you're right. And there, there's a lot of times you can shoot and hit high and hit fur, and it, it might stun them. There might be enough shock in that bullet to knock them down, but you didn't hit anything vital in them because, like I say, their bodies, I mean, if you take a broad side shot I'd, from the spine down to the bottom of their chest, I think you've only got about six inches right there. But if you measured the fur, you're looking at about a, probably a foot at least you know yeah there's not a lot to work with they are very small animals when you actually skin them and look at their body
3: yeah yeah yeah
0: um this one's always i've always wanted to ask this question because i'm i'm sure i don't know if you get hit with it or not when you're going out to do your first set or it doesn't matter a set do you try to hide your truck at all or do you it doesn't really matter because sometimes you know
1: we've had We've had coyotes run right by the truck before. But I can't guess how many have seen the truck and didn't come in. You know, it, it's always a priority to us to definitely where we expect the coyote to come from to make sure the coyote can't see the truck from that area. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. that's, that's, that's definitely a priority. And I don't know if it's so much the actual vehicle itself. It's just the glare, that unnatural glare that it puts out.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. You know, sense.
1: Put the sun shining on it. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we do everything we can to hide the truck as 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 much as we possibly can. And there's a lot of times if, if, we, if we're in an area and we're seeing a lot of tracks, seeing a lot of, you know, scat in the road, Michael will just drop me off.
3: Oh. Because <laughs> there's,
1: there's nowhere to hide the truck. But it's like I know we can kill a coyote here. Yeah. So he'll just drop me off and he'll drive down the road a mile and wait for 20 minutes and then come back and get me. Oh.
3: No.
2: Gotcha. What type of a like, calling sequence do you run through? Like when you first arrive into your stand, do you sit there for a few minutes, kind of let things settle down and then start your sequence?
1: Uh, I, I don't sit too long. I used to actually sit for a, a few minutes, but I, I don't as much anymore. Um, as, as far as a calling sequence, there's nothing, there's no set calling sequence or sound that I do. Honestly, I, I mix it up all the time. Never, I won't say never, but rarely am I ever doing the same thing twice because I want to find out what works. What works and what doesn't work.
2: Do you so use? I'll,
1: I'll try something, you know, for four or five stands. If it's working, you know, I was like, all right, this is working. I know this. Let's try something else. Let's try this for four or five stands and see if this works. And so I'm always mixing it up to see what works.
2: Gotcha. Do you use a now lot yeah, of the like the mouth calls or do you I use used the
1: to. I actually had never used an electronic call never owned an electronic call in my life until 3 years ago I got my first Fox Pro hmm. 3 years ago started using that and for filming it was kind of for filming purposes honestly because yeah, it, it makes, makes it so much easier to set up yeah yeah with the sense. wind in your favor the attention's not on you or the camera And then um, use that Fox Pro for a year. And then the last two years, we've been using the Lucky Duck, Lucky Duck Revolt and Revolution are the two calls we've been using the last two years, which I'm just absolutely in love with, so. Awesome. But I I still do hand call, actually, quite a lot. If if there's not a camera there, I'm hand calling.
2: Okay. Okay.
0: Do you ever carry one with you when you're e-calling just to, I don't know, maybe just to throw it out there just in case i guess
1: oh yeah I've, I've always i've always got a i've always got a hand call with me i'm never i'm never without a hand call you know in case the batteries die there's sometimes i'm mixing up there, there's times i'll play you know like a like a one sound on the on the lucky duck and i'll be blowing another sound on the hand call at the same time
0: okay yeah kind of complimenting each other
1: yeah exactly yeah.
0: um What kind of caliber do you like to do you prefer? You know, people swear from like I don't know, like twenty two mags all the way out to two two threes. So two forty threes.
1: My ultimate favorite gun and they've got all these fancy, crazy guns out there these days. Yeah. But in my opinion, for Kyle, it is real hard to beat a twenty two two fifty.
2: Twenty two two fifty. Gotcha, that's what I
0: have.
1: <laughs> I love it. It's 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 my favorite caliber. I, I do actually, and it's a new caliber and I've got one. I do really like uh, the 22 Nozzler as well. I've, I've heard that one. Is it, s- Would you
0: say that's similar to a 22
1: 250? I haven't really. It's, yeah, it's, it's just a li- got a little less punch than a 22 250 does. Okay. But for years I hunted with a 223. Uh, I mean, that's a great gun. 243 is great. It's a little little on the big side if you're worried about saving fur but if you're not worried about saving fur and a lot of people get caught up in fur friendly and it's not necessarily about the caliber it's more about the speed, speed. so like with my .22-250, i used to just blow Kyle stuff like crazy with it and i just and i i messed around and messed around and i built so many different loads and i finally built a load for it i finally I just slowed it down a little bit I had it screaming at like 3,800 feet a second <laughs> yeah. and I slowed it down to almost 33 and still has the knockdown, still shoots flat, not quite as fast, obviously, but I'm not blown up for anymore.
0: Yeah. Are you using, uh, some type of, uh, hollow point type one? Are you using no, full I metals? I
1: shoot a, the a Hornady V-Max. okay. And 55 grain, 55 grain V-Max out of my 22-250 and out of the 22 nozzler, I shoot, uh, a 50, 53 grain VMAX out of
0: that. Yeah, because you're, I mean, I, I think for us too, I can't speak for everyone that's listening, but, you know, you don't want to, bl- you're trying not to blow it out. and um, Yeah. So I guess that's the objective. You're trying not to do that. Whether that happens or not is another question.
1: Placement. A lot of it's shot placement too. Um You know, if you've got that straight on facing shot, in my opinion, that's the that's the best shot for being fur-friendly. If you can push them right in the center of the chest, if they're looking dead straight at you, the majority of the time that's going to leave the, the same hole as, as the size of the bullet.
0: Gotcha. But, you know,
1: if they're broadside and you hit a shoulder or you hit a rib, it's, it's going to blow something up a little bit, no matter what you're shooting. Then you're going to have some sewing to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, or if they're moving. I swear, if a coyote's even walking, you're going to blow them up. I don't know what it is, but it just seems to be that way.
3: Yeah. I
0: wonder, I, I guess maybe they're stretched out and they're not as, I guess I can see why a frontal shot wouldn't blow them out, you know, yeah. but a, yeah. a broadside could easily see why it would do that, you know, yeah. um, when they start, when they pop up, cause it, I haven't done a lot of of, but I've done enough where you'll get those ones where they pop out out of nowhere, you know, 50 yards in front of you. And I've watched you, you guys carry a shotgun. I try to carry one with me when we go. Um, is there a particular load you like to carry with your shotgun?
1: Yeah, for so out cool of a shots? shotgun, I'll, sh- I'll shoot either uh, four buck or DD shot. Okay. Um, and always lead. Don't ever try and kill a coyote with still shot. <laughs> it-, it won't happen. You'll lose more coyotes than you'll ever kill with still shot. And that's the tough thing is finding DD shot that's actually lead is very tough anymore because a lot of the people, you know, you have to shoot. Yeah, you gotta shoot the lead for, free. Yeah, it, you gotta shoot the lead free stuff, so it's really hard to find. Um, Federal used to make a really good load, but they don't make it anymore in that BB shot. So, but yeah, BB shot or four buck—that's that's my preference. And I shoot an extra full uh, turkey choke. Okay, of yeah. Shotgun.
0: Yeah. So. I think I, I haven't got to use one yet. I have bought some. I think a Horny makes with a, a coyote round for the shotgun. And yep. I've never uh, used that's one. That's I've never because, had a chance.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's what I actually shot quite a bit this last year because uh-huh. that was about all I could find, find locally, you know that uh, that would work. So,
0: yeah, we were gonna bring that up. How? I mean, how is, who came up with the idea to do the hundred coyotes in thirty? Or no, it thirty? No, it was hundred coyotes in thirty days.
1: Yeah, hundred coyotes in thirty days. So I came up with that idea, and it came from i um, not sure if you guys are familiar. I assume you probably are with the uh, Bored and Raised Outdoors. Yes. So they did their their uh, Land of the Free tour where they were hunting elk in a bunch of different states for, like, I can't remember the exact amount of days. But that's kind of where the idea came from. I, I heard about it. I know those guys. And I was like, this is genius. <laughs> and I was like, we've got to come up with something similar to this and, and do something like this. Right. And the biggest thing was getting our wives to buy off of it. <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's the hard part. <laughs> a bad, oh, you know, man. I could imagine being, trying to sell being, that being one. Gone for, being gone for that amount of time is, is a lot. It, it was a grind, man. But I told Blanca about it, and he was all about it. And initially, we started with the idea we were going to do 100 coyotes in 30 days, and we were going to go Canada- to mexico (laughs) oh wow but then (laughs) when you when you look at coyote hunting and how much of that of your success is is dependent on the weather
3: right
0: yeah we
1: didn't we just didn't want
3: to
1: pigeonhole ourselves and say, okay we've got to get this canada to mexico thing (laughs) and might have to hunt through some bad weather let's just let's hunt wherever the weather's good yeah so during the entire tour we hunted in utah nevada Idaho, Wyoming, Colorado, and Arizona. Gotcha. So we hit, we hit six states during that time.
2: Yeah. That's pretty good.
1: But hitting the majority those... of the country that we hunted was all brand new country to us.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask that. It's like, You know, you guys are obviously very experienced in coyote hunting. When you travel through all those states, did, did you find certain things didn't work versus another state, or would you say a coyote to a coyote is uh, a coyote?
1: It, it was... I would say certain things didn't work because everything can kind of work, I guess you could say a little yeah. bit. But there are areas where different sounds worked better. So okay. as a perfect example, we hunted in eastern Colorado, right on the border of Kansas. We were li- just literally mere miles from Kansas, and our buddy Luke. That's where he's from. He lives here now in St. George, but he's from from eastern Colorado. And we went and hunted out there and with his experience, he's like, okay, like in our area locally here, we, I have, I really struggled with calling coyotes with any kind of pup distress sounds. I don't know what it is, but we just don't call in coyotes around here with it. Yeah. And out there we killed more coyotes with pup stress than we did rabbit stress. Huh. Oh, wow. You know, and, and that was him being from there and kind of knowing that. You know, he's hunted both places and, and, and sees kind of how it is. And I think the biggest reason, that, at least in my opinion, and I could be so far off it doesn't make sense, but the reason for it is there's a lot more coyotes out in that country, and they're just a lot more territorial, a lot more curious. When they hear other sounds, other coyotes like that, they're more apt to come look at it because they're just a little more aggressive. Whereas out here where we live, we don't have, our coyote population, it's high, but it's really not that high.
3: Uh-huh.
1: And so I think that's maybe why that pup stress works better, works better out there than it does here.
3: Yeah, yeah. For
0: people that are listening and maybe don't know, I mean, Brian kind of lives out, because we live in Albuquerque, or we work in Albuquerque. Brian lives kind of on in the suburbs, and I kind of live in a rural part of the city. But we'll see coyotes feel really like how resilient these animals are you'll find them everywhere like yeah. in the middle of town like middle of the the concrete jungle we've seen them running yeah, down the, the ditches and stuff and it's crazy and i'm sure yeah, in st george you got the same problem going on
1: yeah there there's adaptable there's a there's a, an adaptable of an animal as there is out there they you'll find like you say in the middle of the cities you'll find them in the lowest hottest nastiest parts of the desert and you'll find them up above timberline <laughs> you know they're just they're everywhere they're and they're just adaptable
0: yeah have I you mean, been I,
1: I posted i posted a video on my instagram page and i i live kind of on the outskirts of town a little bit but i'm, I'm right on a golf course and this last fall in like october november I'm sitting on my couch drinking my coffee and I look right here in my backyard and there's a flipping coyote standing 10 yards away. <laughs> you know, and like I say, I'm in town. I'm, I'm kind of on the outskirts a little bit, but I'm two or three miles from the edge of town. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. So. No, I, I, was, I can't remember when I saw this video, but when you're skinning them, have you ever been surprised on what coyotes will eat?
1: Absolutely. They, they will eat anything and everything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so uh, here's a good example so uh, quite a few years back, uh, Luke and myself were scouting for the world championship coyote, coyote hunt, it was in Williams, Arizona that year, and we were right down on the border of Mexico, and we were in this area that was just loaded with coyotes we went through, located, howled at night, and there was coyotes everywhere you drive down the road, and there's just piles of scat in the road everywhere you stop at every water source, there's tracks everywhere But we'd we'd go and make a few stands here and there, and we weren't calling in anything. I'm like, what's going on? (laughs) I know this area hasn't been overcalled, and we got looking, and as gross as this sounds, this is one of the best tools you can have. Um, When you see their poop in the road, go out and look at it and see what they're eating. Yeah. You know, pull pull it apart. And they were, and this was in December, and it was still really warm down in southern Arizona but they were completely full of grasshoppers.
0: Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, that's crazy.
1: So they were, why would they, if it was cold enough in the morning, that those grasshoppers weren't really moving around. You wouldn't see them much in the morning, but then once it warmed up during the day, they were jumping around and you. it was almost just a nuisance. They were so bad. Yeah. But when they're cold like that in the morning and they're you don't even know they're there, that's just free pickings for those coyotes.
0: Yeah. And I, I think that's what I can convey over to people that are listening. That I mean, if you're having a hard time, it could be something that's very strange why they're not coming in cuz of that cuz they're getting their bellies full off of eating grasshoppers for growing Aladdin. you never yeah. thought that a kite exactly. would be that resourceful
1: <laughs> yeah and like i say they're 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 a scavenger they're a predator they they will they will always take the easy meal yeah. the thing that's going to be that come the easiest to them that they have to put the least amount of effort into that's what they're going to do and if they're full off of grasshoppers or if it's a, a dead deer, a dead cow, roadkill, whatever it may be, you know, they're they're opportunists that and they're going to take that.
0: Yeah. And I'm trying to change a little subject here because it, it's kind of a, uh, our deer population here is not like what it is in Utah and in Colorado. And you think it would be, but it's not. And there's some theories on why it's in I want to say, I always call it bad shape, I would say. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. I was reading an article on, and this, of course, the study was done back east. They were saying that like 60% of fawn kills for deer were were coyotes.
1: Yeah. We, coyotes, we just... coyote, they, re- they re hell on a fawn crop. On the fawns? And that's, why, that's why a lot of people uh, hunt coyotes real heavy in the spring. A lot of people don't do it. A lot of people don't. We don't really hunt coyotes in the spring in early summer mainly because we're so busy with work and we just don't have the time. Yeah. But you've got those guys that use uh, decoy dogs. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. I saw that for the first uh, time. Yeah. It's amazing, but they can, they'll go into these areas where the, you know, the fawning, the fawning areas are and just wipe out coyotes. And I, and I I think people need, won't they wipe them out, but they, they put up some really big numbers. those Decoy dogs. Um, and then hunting at night, the night hunting, we, we we don't really do that at all. But that's becoming huge with all this thermal imaging. Um, my buddy Garrett Johnson and Colton Gillum, um, they they hunt at night all the time now, and and they're stacking up some really really big numbers at night too, and doing it this time of year when it's, and they're doing it in areas that's those those spawning areas. So,
0: makes sense for those that are- you know
1: a lot of people a lot of people have that old school mentality of only hunt coyotes when it's the first season
0: yeah yeah and that's,
1: and that's kind of what we do because that's the time we have to hunt yeah but uh, but yeah you can you can do a lot of good i mean those coyotes they will they, they'll they'll bring hail to a fallen crop they absolutely will
3: yeah
0: makes sense i think that's part of our problem out here I, I, do you, in utah are they still running the bounty on the on coyotes
1: yep they've got so in utah we've got a 50 dollar bounty so, it's about a once-a-month check-in, I believe. I don't do it too much because, um, we honestly, we don't hunt a lot in Utah because it is so hard, and it, it's so hard because of the bounty. Oh, you know? okay. So,
0: that makes sense.
1: So, we don't – I haven't bountied a coyote in a, in, in a couple years, to be honest. I've, I've got a freezer full of ears out in my garage that I need to need to take in. But, yeah, they pay you, they pay you $50 a coyote. Wow. you got to <laughs> cut – You've got to cut the ears off. You've got to take the lower jaw, and they've got a new—they've got a new uh, app, I believe, that you need to start using. That kind of uh, keeps your location to try to keep you honest, because there was there was some people that were abusing the system quite severely.
2: Oh, I'm sure you always have somebody. And they they, they, got caught. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah,
0: with money involved, someone's going to find a way.
1: Yeah, and they got caught, which was a good thing. So. Um, so they're, they're, I think it's actually starting this June, I believe. you got to have a new app for it.
0: Oh, gotcha. Uh, I, I think that, I was telling Brian, I think here in New Mexico, because we heard about that bounty, and it's like, man, I think in our state we almost have to push for something like that to happen because I th- really think the coyotes are wreaking havoc in the state on the deer population. I mean, it, it kind of reflects when you do draw a deer, you don't see the numbers that you see in other states. And I think because our coyote problem is so you know, because we're not a populated state, and we're and we're a big state, and we're such a vast state, and it, it's yeah. hard for these ranchers to deal with them too. They just have a hard time with them. You know, I think a bounty yeah. would really help out. I think for at least incorporate for a couple of years to see if it would help the deer population out. You know,
1: yeah, for sure. No, it wouldn't be a bad idea. Just a matter of where that where would that funds come from, right? I, and I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure where I won't. I don't know where the funds from utah come from yeah. paying for the 50 dollar bounty but I, I really
3: don't
2: know yeah so yeah i mean so i I know out in the in the mountains every time we go hunting i mean there's you hear those coyotes every single night and a lot of them you know yeah and i think a lot of people hunt more of the deserty country for the coyotes yep. than they do in the mountain country and you know that's why you're absolutely
1: right you're absolutely right
2: And it just makes it a a
1: lot of people, a lot of people don't hunt coyotes up in the mountains. You know, you look at, you look at that critical time, you know, a lot of the areas we hunt is kind of that low, wide open desert stuff, Yeah, but that's winter range for deer. You look at where those fawns are being born, like we were talking about in, you know, May, June, up in the mountains, up high, and there's just as many coyotes up there as there is in the desert, but not a lot of people hunt them up
0: high. No, they don't. I think it's for uh, it's kind of for, I can't speak I only speak for myself because it's easier to get to the desert because we have more desert than we have <laughs> mountains here. <laughs> it's just yeah. easier to get to, yep. you know. Um, what, what do you got planned for coyote hunting uh, next year? Are you gonna some- so we're,
1: we're, we're definitely we're going to do another tour. Okay, similar to what we did. I'm not sure of uh, what we're going to mix up or what we're going to change or if we're going to do the same thing. If we do the same thing, 100 coyotes in 30 days, I think we're going to, uh, do different states. You know, maybe do like a Montana, North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, you know, mm. something, something like that. Or maybe come down and spend a little more time and maybe hit like California, Southern Arizona, New Mexico, you know, just mix it up a little bit. Just not hunt the same, the same areas, but th- there's, there's definitely something in the works for sure.
0: Yeah, no, I think it was cool. It was, it was fun to watch. To, you know, when you hear that number, you're like, okay, I I gotta watch these and see if they can pull it off. Not that I didn't think you couldn't pull it <laughs> off, but I mean, it's still kind that's of, a that's a feat in itself to pull that off. You know, yeah, <laughs> just the logistics. It was,
1: it was more. It was more like you said, the logistics of it, and it was just it was just a grind of hunting. So we didn't actually hunt thirty days straight.
3: Uh-huh.
1: It was over like thirty six days because we did it over thanksgiving and christmas oh. <laughs> so we came home for those holidays yeah i think
0: people can excuse you for that <laughs> right
1: yeah so so i think our longest stretch we were ever out straight was like 12 days but when you're doing that every day and you've got that pressure of <laughs> one trying to get that that many kyles, two trying to get it on film three trying to get the video edited and put up on the channel so you've got a video every single day at four thirty, which I'll give all the props in the world to Micah. Micah does all
0: the video editing, all of it. Well, it's it's funny because he said like because getting into this podcast and then getting to uh, you know really we're really into having to using game cameras for scouting and all that stuff and uh, you know you guys do a lot of a lot of YouTubing and all that stuff and all of a sudden you become a you know I think you know we're about the same age forty I'm forty one yeah. And, uh, where we're just a little bit ahead of that, like millennial age of like using technology. Yep. And so you kind of had to like backtrack and start <laughs> figuring, I never knew how to use an SD card or how to edit or all this stuff. And all exactly. of a sudden you're like, now I'm an expert. I'm like, oh no, you need this and this and this. And I'm sure you probably have experienced the same, you know, uh,
3: Absolutely.
0: learning curve. And then you're up to speed. And now you're talking all this, uh, techno-lango that you thought you never would talk <laughs> <Exactly>. about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so with your job, cause you know, for people I don't know, uh, Gary works for BLM doing firefighting, and you know, I don't know. Has it gotten techno for the BLM guys for you guys, or is it still just you know getting out there and you know sweating? It's
1: getting getting very technical. Yeah, technical. I was gonna say it for (laughs) us. I'll be honest. It's getting technical. (laughs) Yeah, just like us. Everything is even more so for me this year because I'm actually gonna be doing air attack for this this next couple of years. Oh, cool! And just the, the advances and having to have the iPad for all the flight following and book and ruin this and that's just like, Oh my gosh, it's, it's everywhere. It's everywhere you go.
0: I know you can't avoid it anymore because we're in the same <laughs> process. But I think when me and Brian's a little bit behind me in the years and we've been working for the city fire now for you know, I'm close to 19 years and he's yeah, I'm pushing 16, yeah, 15, 16. Yeah. But even in that time span, we went from, you know, paper, to not doing much, to where everything is electronic now, and you're like, oh my god, I gotta check this email, you gotta check that email, and this exactly. gotten so techno. But yeah, it's crazy that you know things that you wouldn't think you'd get into now. You're, you you had to learn them.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you're exactly right.
0: <laughs> but you hand props down to. I mean, we've edited a couple videos. We don't have a, a whole lot out for ourselves, but no, just doing don't. the ones that we have is a pain in the neck. I couldn't imagine cranking the yeah. ones that you guys did out all the time. And then trying to find yeah. Wi-Fi service and all that stuff that must have been a pain in the neck.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. constantly sitting here trying, like, okay, man, we need to get a video made, and we'll go out and we'll start recording, and then there'll be parts where we didn't even get, and we're like, oh, man, I forgot to get this, I didn't do that, and we start watching yep. our content we got, and we're like, we can't put a video together with this.
1: <laughs> it's just crazy. So, you, you like we kind of fall off in the summertime. We try not to as much, but it's inevitable we do, but we try to put out a video every single Wednesday on our channel uh-huh. and just that's once a week. And I don't think people realize how much it takes even just once a week to, to get enough content to put out a quality video. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it actually, it takes, takes quite a bit.
0: It does. It does. It, it's funny because we, we like to go out shed hunting and we've been doing that a lot and we, we're really big into the game cameras. That's easy to do, but we don't film ourselves actually doing it. And we'll get back to the yeah. truck and you're like, Did you get anything? I was like, No, nah, I forgot to do it. I took a picture, but that was it. <laughs> and you're like, Oh, well, yeah. there goes that idea. <laughs> so post a picture, man. Okay. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Well, like, like, like I said, I got to give the prop to Micah because if it wasn't for Micah, Hidden Instincts wouldn't, ha- we wouldn't have a YouTube channel. We might be an Instagram page, but that's it. <laughs>
3: because, no, I no,
1: mean, he, he runs the camera, he films, he does everything, he edits the video. Uh, I just don't have I don't have the patience for it to learn it to, to like how to run a camera good and yeah. he, he was just kind of he was just kind of natural at it so the way it started people ask us all the time you never see Micah shooting unless he's by himself
3: uh-huh. they're
1: like you're always shooting well it's because when we first started coyote hunting Micah had never coyote hunted before and I, and I br- got him into it and we went out the first time, and he he had never run camera before either. One of our buddies says, "Hey, we're putting together a DVD. We need some predator footage. Can you get me some?" And I was like, "Well, I'll give my camera to Micah, so we'll run out and see what we can get." But well, we ran out that day, and we killed five coyotes that morning, <laughs> and he got all of them on film, and they was good. And I was like, "Right on, man!" <laughs> and So we just started. We didn't have hidden instinct or anything. That wasn't even a we hadn't even thought about it. Yeah, but. We went out and started filming our hunt, and we'd rotate every other stand. I'd run the camera one stand, and he'd shoot, and vice versa. We'd flip flop every other stand. Yeah. Well, every stand that I run the camera on, and we called the coyote in, I couldn't get him on camera, and Michael would miss him. He, couldn't shoot. <laughs> he, he can now. He's actually a very good <laughs> shot now. But he would miss the shot, but I would miss with the camera too. So, so finally he's like i'll just run the camera yeah, and yeah. So, but he gets he gets more joy out of out of getting them on camera than he does shooting i think anyway i mean i can't count how many times i've been like did you did you get that on film because it happens so fast yeah and he's like oh yeah i got it oh, there's no way <laughs> i barely the... had time to get my gun up to shoot yeah
2: you know
0: yeah that's awesome so. oh no i said we've watched your videos quite a bit and there's some shots you're like i can't like, we can't. Even, I'm sure a lot of people can't believe you, you got it on video because they do happen quick on some of your stands. They happen real quick. Oh, yeah. You know?
1: Oh, yeah.
0: And it's... it's what did I get into Kyle? It's off and on for me. I can't really speak for Brian. I was off and on for Kyle hunting, and when we were young doing it, you'd sit down and make a stand, and nothing would come in. And I'm like, ah, I'm done. I'll, you call me when you got this down. And my buddies were like, yeah, we got it down now. I'm like, okay, I'll go out. So we sit down. And I don't think we're sitting down for even 10 minutes. They're like, we got to go. I'm like, dude, we just sat down. They're like, no, yep. no, we got to go. I'm like, all right, whatever, man. So we get up, sat down like another 10 minute drive down from where we're at. And it popped up within like, I don't think they even call for like maybe five minutes. And there was a cloud running in out of nowhere. And I'm not sure if you can contest this, but it's almost, how long do you do a stand for before you're like, okay, we got to get up and go. Cause I'm not going to come in. If I'm,
1: if if we're just out calling for fun and filming, I will sit on a stand for 20 minutes. Okay, I, we killed we killed so many coyotes this last year between that. 50, well, it used to be 15 minutes, but I started sitting a little longer, and it's surprising how many coyotes I've killed between 15 and 20 minutes. Like it, it's shocking, actually, how many. <laughs> and in certain areas, are just that way. Yeah. Um, if I'm if I'm contest hunting, which I I really don't. I don't competition hunt much anymore. I used to just live and die for it. But if I'm competition hunting, I'm I'm usually 10 minutes and on to the next stand. Because I, I want to have an area that I know has a lot of coyotes that I've scouted, I've put my time in, I know they haven't been called, and they're going to be responding to that call quick no matter what. You know? Yeah. And so I've, I've got confidence in that area that after 10 minutes I still might call something in, but I've got a better chance of going to the next stand and starting over but if I'm out calling for fun and just filming and doing what we do, I, I sit on a stand for, for at least 20 minutes. There's been times I've sat for even, you know, 22, 23 minutes and still killed coyotes.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's always been the, uh, the question, like how long do you sit? You know, it's always been that, yep. you know, some people, I, when I was, I don't know it came for Brian, but for me, it seemed like we had to sit down for a long time. And then after learning, you realize like, no, no, if, 10 minutes at one point was like, what well, we sat and we was like, let's go. Cause yeah. they're not going to come in, you know, yep. uh, weather-wise uh, you talk a little about, you know, the wind, how much does that play a factor into where you, when you make a stand or if you're going to go out that day?
1: Well, so when, if we're just going out, um, we, we look at the weather, victim. the wind, the wind is the biggest weather factor in my opinion for calling coyotes. It's it. If I look at the weather where we want to go hunt, and it's blowing more than ten miles an hour, I'm not going to go. Okay. I'm not telling. I'm not saying you can't call coyotes more than that because I've done it plenty of times. But if I'm just going out for fun, I'm not even going to bother with it. I'll find somewhere else that has less wind, or if it's windy everywhere, I just won't go that day.
0: Yeah, it's just not. Um, it just wouldn't be fun, right? Just you're yeah. going to have a bad day, or I'm going to say a bad day. It's just not going to. Well, one, I don't like wind. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like yeah, sitting in the, the wind, wind. Period. Wind but storm, yeah, <laughs> who does?
1: But yeah, yeah. Anything more than about ten miles an hour, I'm not a fan of. But uh, you know, as far as the wind goes, that is that. It, like I said, I'm not the expert, but in my opinion, that's that's the biggest factor in in the successful or unsuccessful unsuccessful day
2: yeah have have you guys i know you guys called uh bobcats i've seen the pictures and stuff like that but have you guys Uh ever called in a mountain lion
1: so i called in one that i saw the tracks of in the snow when i was in colorado in college um other than that i haven't but micah the very first animal he ever called in was a mountain lion. It
3: <laughs> wow, was
1: like the third stand he had ever made by himself alone. <laughs> he had to call in a coyote, um, and he went out, and he called in a flipping mountain lion. <laughs> and, and I guess I'm he probably like, didn't have a tag. I, just, I, was, I was like, dude, you suck. I've right? like, been on for like one month. <laughs> you know, like, all in a lion.
2: Yeah, that's that beginner's so, luck. Yeah, I've
1: actually never <laughs> seen one that I've called in, and I'm sure there's been plenty of times that I have and just haven't seen them. Yeah, but I like I say I saw tracks in the snow one time of one that I called in, but I never saw it. But yeah, Micah, Micah has he 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 did call one in.
2: Wow, and that'll uh, be intense. That's for sure. Oh yeah, I could. Yeah, I think absolutely. there's
0: like maybe like two or three videos floating around YouTube that actually where it's happened by accident. You know, or when's yeah, popped up. Uh, I'm trying
1: to, I'm trying to think of his name on Instagram. He's got. He does actually pretty consistently. Oh, does it? He's in he's in Arizona, and he's got some amazing videos. Him calling in lions. Uh, I, I want to say it's predator exclusives.
0: Predator exclusive.
1: To um, check I think that is what out. Yeah, it's,
0: it's,
1: but yeah, he's got some amazing videos. Him calling <laughs> in
0: that lions. Brian. Like, what was it, about three years ago, Brian. I think I I was like on a mission. I was like, we we can do it. Just somehow we'll get the decoy. You know, the little spinner, and yep. We'll hunt in the mountains, in canyons, like rocky canyons, trying to figure out like more of their territory and see if one would, of course, nothing ever happened, but (laughs) it was worth a shot.
2: And also we probably didn't sit there long enough.
1: The biggest reason I've never called one in, we rarely if ever call one in, is because we hunt, I don't know if you guys pay much attention to our videos, but we hunt like wide open flat nothingness. Yeah. You know, lions lions don't live in that country. That's true. A lot of the stuff. A lot of the stuff we hunt is, it's not lion country at all, but there is a fair amount of it on the Arizona Strip, though, that, that we hunt. that It's definitely lion country,
3: yeah. and there's
1: lots of lions there, but we've just never actually seen one. Our buddy uh, Brandon Neal, just this, I think it was just this last year, it was maybe two years ago, right in an area we've hunted several times. He called one in and shot it with a shotgun out of self-defense, shot it at like five yards, right at him.
0: It's because when we go hunting in general, you always creep out without bears, but uh, we had a friend that had experience with a uh, a mountain lion and came out of nowhere, more or less. And I I never even thought twice about it, and then he tells me that story, and now I'm all creeped out, like, is there a mountain lion behind me? (laughs) Stalking me, man. Those things are real quiet, and I'm all freaked out now. He has to be all paranoid. Yeah.
2: (laughs) I know. I was uh, late season elk hunt last year, and I was walking down a canyon, and came across some, uh, lion tracks in the snow, you know, and there's yeah. turkey tracks, there's lion track, elk track. And, you know, I was like, oh man, there's a lion in here. And I start thinking, I'm like, all I have is my bow. I was like, I don't have yeah. a sidearm. I don't have anything. I was like, oh man, I was like, so I just kept my head on a swivel, you know, kind of stayed right down that draw the whole time. And then I kind of circled around. I was like, okay, I need to get out of here. Cause it just, I get creeped out. You know, you yeah. don't know where those guys are.
1: Yeah, it's been like three or four years ago. Um, Mike and I were out on our Utah just general season muzzleloader hunt, and we'd been seeing this little buck. He was a little 18, 20-inch three-point down on this little bench every single day. And we are sitting kind of on a knife ridge. Mike is on the right side. I'm on the left side of it. We're, we're only about five yards apart, and Mike is glassing that bench down there. And then all of a sudden I hear him just say, I just watched a lion take out that three-point.
3: Oh, wow. Oh, man.
1: I hopped up over the hill real quick and got my glasses on it. We're scrambling for camera equipment. But it happened so fast. It was about 15 seconds worth. And this lion killed that three-point and then drug him down into this little canyon off to the side. Off to the side of that bench. And Mike was like, let's go down there and check it out. I was like, dude, screw you! All I've got is a loader, I got one shot. <laughs> I was like, I am not going down there after you yeah. caught, caught a fresh kill. I'm
0: not doing it. I know no. you start to exactly. what what they're capable of doing, and and you know that you find lion kills. I'm sure you see lion kills out there, and you start to realize like yeah, I'm not the alpha on the mountain right now anymore. Yeah,
1: exactly.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Those things are creepy. They so, are. They yeah.
0: are for sure. Um. So a lot of people hit us up do you ever get we're gonna about firefighting um do you guys ask you a lot about getting into firefighting
3: at
1: all yeah at we get gun? asked a lot about getting into it yeah we do
0: because you guys have it's, you know because obviously we're, we work with the forest service and BLM guys because you know we're just the west so you have inter- urban interface and we get call outs yep. too and, uh, yep. definitely have, as you know, people ask about the wildland portion of it and you're like, well, it's an awesome schedule if you think about it. Cause you, you, I mean, yeah, you guys work it and then you're off for that, that portion. I'm not sure
2: mean, knows you do the, the 14 day deployment, right? Is that what you guys do? It's either
1: 14 or 21. It just depends. depends. Oh, gotcha. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
0: And obviously it's been very good to you. Cause we tell people, you know, if you want a, a re- rewarding job, I think firefighting, is probably one of the better rewarding jobs out there yeah, right it, now. Yeah, it is. It,
1: it, it's, it's been good to me. Um, like I said, I've been doing it for 17 years. I, I enjoy it. I, I enjoy the firefighting aspect of it. I enjoy the camaraderie of it, of, <laughs> of working with people towards a common goal and then accomplishing that. That's, like, very fulfilling to me. And I'll probably get in trouble for saying this, but by God, I'm going to say it. I get sick of dealing with all the government
0: bullshit. Oh <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> no, I, do. I. Man, there's so you much know? bureaucracy that we have to go through, and I'm I yeah. see it on the violence side too. You see it, you know, when you check in at a at a fire that's already going and all the stuff that you got all the red tape, and you're like, "Geez, can we just get out there and start doing this?" Or, you yep. know, oh man, yeah, yeah, yeah that it's is the downside to it. Yeah, but
1: the the firefighting side of it, the the job itself, no, it's great, man. I.
0: And it complements hunting. <laughs> what's that? It complements your hunting schedule, pretty much for the most part. Out than the it, early well, bow season, I'm so great
1: about it. It's <laughs> me and Mike, and we're both full time with them. But if we don't want to work in the winter, we don't have to.
0: Yeah. Okay. So
1: we choose. We choose not to, so we can go hunt. Yeah. That's why people ask us, "How are you guys able to hunt so much?" Well, we work from we work like crazy from March till mid October. And then we we take off. You know, we work 16 hours a day for 14 days in a row and take one day off. (laughs) Yeah. You know, we're we're clearing 1,000 hours overtime on a busy year in six months.
0: Yeah, especially this past season was really bad. It was a really bad season. Yep.
1: So, yeah, we, we put in the time when we do to be able to do what we do in the wintertime. So.
0: Yeah, and you guys had one kind of in your hometown, more or less, up there, right above St. George, right this past season. Um, I can't remember the name of the fire now. I saw it on social media everywhere too. Was there Brian?
1: You're probably thinking of the Brian Head fire. Yeah, I think I'm yeah. thinking about that one. Yeah, that was two Which, years ago. But yeah, oh, was that it two years was just, ago. Okay. That was on our that was on our district. Uh, hour and a half, hour and a half from here at home. I spent 14 days on that one. I was on a day off when it actually started. My boss calls me up. Hey, you want to go to a fire up on Brian Head? And I thought, my hell, the snow just melted off there two weeks ago. I was just up there. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's up at a ski resort. Yeah, it's at, you know, ten thousand feet. And I was like, yeah, I'll run up there and spend a day or two. You know, I figured it was going to be something small, you know, in the timber and take a couple days to clean up. And I got in the truck and started heading up there and looked up on them. Looked up and saw the column and it was capped out. And I was like well, I'm going to be here for a while. Right? Yeah. When you see a calm and it's capping out
0: like a thunderstorm, that's not a couple days.
1: 70,000 acres, I think. Wow. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It was, it was a big fire. Yeah. Yeah. I've been on a few big ones, you know, and I always, I enjoyed it, you know, and I do miss, uh, I do miss it. I think about it all the time, you know, and I just, I loved being out there. And like you said, the camaraderie and all that, you know, you get out there with a bunch of, uh, Guys with the same goal, you know, and everybody gets along great. You know, you get to meet a whole bunch of new friends. um, And you just, you make a family, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. And the thing that's so cool about it is, you know how many places I've been that I never would have gone in my life? That's just some of the coolest country you're ever going to go to.
0: Exactly, you get paid to travel, you know. Yeah,
1: you get paid to travel.
2: Right.
0: Yeah, a lot of people ask and, I'm like, and I always tell people that there's um, I chose the city route I was just trying to get on anywhere and, that, and that's the route that I went and um, <laughs> we just,
1: sounds like you guys got a call going
0: on right now yeah, <laughs> yeah we do <laughs> I know we're, we're like well, the only time we could all get together was here at the station and sure enough I was like man it's a Sunday maybe nice and quiet
2: and uh, well, we were uh, doing pretty uh, good <laughs> yeah
0: it didn't work out well it almost worked out <laughs>
1: Um, All right,
0: man. Uh, we we'll appreciate, appreciate your time it, for talking with us, man.
2: I yeah, really for sure. That. we'll have to get together that again if you guys don't mind. do it. I know we've
0: been trying to do it for a while. I know we've been playing cat and mouse for a while, and you know with yeah. the schedule and everything else, and kids, and oh, man, this is hard to get. Yep. So I'm stoked to finally sit down and, and get to do this with you. No, um,
1: yeah, for sure. I appreciate it. I say, I cool. No, I appreciate you guys thanks much. yeah. yeah thank,
0: and thank, you. thank you, man. Thank you for, thank you this, for everything you do have to stay in contact and stay in touch if you decide yeah. to come out and shoot some coyotes out here. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah for sure we up. need to. Yeah. Yeah it'll be a blast. Yeah, a You'll have to sure. hit us up if you're ever over here.
0: Oh yeah.
3: absolutely.
2: Perfect. Or you
0: man. put in for, for a big game too. Call us up. We'll get you lined up on what units
2: <laughs> Heck yeah. Yeah.
1: I need to, yeah, to start actually I've actually never put in for New Mexico. I need to start doing
0: that. Yeah should they got the exotics too the the orcs <laughs> yeah. hunts and everything
1: <laughs> get out there on the white sands and go hunt those uh i'm drawing a blank why can't i think of it? Orcs. orcs yeah The orcs. yeah yeah
0: know you need to
2: <laughs> yeah that'd be cool all right great thank you very much right on guys I okay appreciate it. all right man thank you have you. a good night. night have a good night